What is up guys? Welcome to the Byler Bomb Show sponsored by Major League University. My name is Austin Byler and I'm here with University of Arizona's pitching coach Dave Lawn. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks, appreciate it. How's it going? It's good, it's good. good. Great seeing you, it's been a while. I know, it's been a long time. Man. Excited to be down here at the University of Arizona, kind of hanging out here with these guys. A little bit about Coach Lawn. Um, He's our pitching coach at the University of Nevada for the last two years of my career there, my junior and senior year. Amazing guy, amazing coach, and really instills confidence in his players, especially the pitching staff. I mean, in my opinion, we had some of the less talented pitching staffs that we ever had in Nevada, and this guy just helped them perform at their peak performance. It was unbelievable, instilling the confidence in their guys, not only the pitchers, but the hitters, and the entire infield. I mean, you were... The director out there, I man. You were you were calling the shots and helping us really get prepared for our season and stay prepared, locked in mentally. And it was a pleasure to play for you. Now it's great to be back here, yeah. kind of shooting it around with you and, <laughs> and and chalking it up. Yeah, well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, coach. So, coach, I want to kind of just start by telling these guys a little bit about your story. Um, kind of tell these guys where you came from, yeah. um, your career path. You were drafted twice, second and third round. Yeah. Um, Kind of give them a background of kind of what led up to this point. Well, um, I was real lucky. Um, I always had great coaches. I really did. I mean, I had um, from starting when I played Mustang ball when I was 9 and 10 years old and then into Bronco, 11, 12, Pony, so on and so forth. Um, I, I, I've always felt like I had good coaches. And then when I went to high school, I played for um, one of the best uh, high school coaches in Northern California at El Cerrito High School, which is in the Bay Area. Um, his name's Larry Carrico, and um, I think what made him real good was he was a he was a very stern disciplinarian. Fundamentals were important, but uh, super dedicated. And I mean, we always played fall baseball in and around when we were playing football and basketball, and then you know the high school season. But then in the summer it was a it was a lengthy Legion season, and of course, yeah. again, we're balancing that around passing league, but it it helped because he was also one of the football coaches and, and that sort of thing. So I, I kind of grew up in a time where you played everything, yeah, and you did everything simultaneously, and you just, you just figured it out. And then after that, I went to Laney Junior College in Oakland, California, played for a guy named Tom Purse. That's where I was drafted twice now. I mean, you'd said I was drafted in the second and third round. It's a little bit misleading because back then they had a January draft and a June draft. So there were limited. So in other words, junior uh, junior college players were eligible for the draft okay. um, in January, as were four-year players then. And then if you didn't sign with the club that drafted you in January – you went into the secondary phase of the June draft. So I was a second round pick in the January draft, and I was a third round pick in the secondary phase of the June draft. So it's a bit misleading, but, you know, I was drafted twice, and that's something to be yeah. proud of. After that, after my time at Laney, I went to University of California, Santa Barbara, UCSB, played for Al Ferrer there, another real good coach. And then um, about midway through my junior year, I tore up my shoulder and just never really came back. I always kind of knew I wanted to coach. Um, 
I knew I wanted to coach probably when I was in the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, if I didn't become a major wow. league baseball player, yeah. which was what everybody wanted to do. I also played for Mike Gillespie in Alaska for two summers. He's the longtime coach at SC and then later UC Irvine. So, I, I mean, not everybody can say they never really had a bad coach. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the, I mean, just like anything, there's bad doctors and bad lawyers and bad coaches and good coaches. And I was really lucky to always have what I thought looking back after doing this for 30 plus years, I mean, everybody was pretty good. Yeah. So, so that's kind of my story leading into coaching, um, or, or, or through school, um, when I got out of UCSB, I went to coach at Contra Costa Junior College up in the Bay Area, Northern California, for my high school coach. Okay. So I did that for two years. And um, <clears throat> interesting story about my time there. We had we had good teams and, and that sort of stuff, but uh, to and and I just got married. So I I was done at Santa Barbara, got married that summer. Now I'm jumping into college, um, and the way I made money because you know there wasn't a whole lot of salary for a first year assistant coach was I had a San Francisco Chronicle paper route. I had 500 papers. I did that for two straight years. I did not know that. Yeah, so that was three in the morning, four in the morning, every day without, I mean, kids can't miss. And so I did that. And um, that was actually a pretty sweet gig because for, for two, three hours a day, I mean, I, you know, this was 32 years ago. I mean, I was making $1,500 a month throwing newspapers. Yeah. So, so that was cool. And then after two years at Contra Costa, I went to um, University of Nevada, Reno for the first time. And I was a grad assistant, so I was working on my master's, which I never completed. Um, and I'm looking in the camera right now. <laughs> finish what you start when it comes to the school stuff. I didn't finish it, um, but I had a great time there. I, I coached with Gary Powers, who you played for. Yeah. And... Um, I was the baseball sports information director and the pitching coach and the recruiting coordinator. So, wow. um, so that was a good time there. I mean, it kind of got me indoctrinated into Division One baseball. Um, um, a great story. I, you know, I always like to tell this story. Um, we had like a 10-day window in the spring for some reason where we weren't playing games. Um, coach Powers gave me $1,500 in cash. <laughs> sent me to the airport, rent a car, and had me drive to the Bay to, to Southern California to recruit. And I gotta tell you, I, I mean, there's no internet. I couldn't check the computer for game times. I had this binder with all these schedules and all these players' names, and um, um, <laughs> just had no idea what I was doing. Um, and just for eight days. Nine days, um, just drove all over Southern California with this big binder with all kinds of schedules and, you know, trying to find players to play for us at Nevada. So, but the story gets better. <laughs> so I leave Southern California on a Friday. We're playing UNLV, a doubleheader that Saturday. 
So I drive, I leave Southern California, six o'clock in the evening. I'm heading uh, north, gonna go up and over Donner Pass, get to the pass, and it's snow. We got a chain up. Oh no. So I buy I buy chains in Auburn and we literally drove all night. It was me and another assistant named uh, Jay Minsker. We drove all night. I mean, all night, just bumpity, bumpity, bumpity over the pass and got there just in time for BP at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no so, way. Yeah. So then after the two years at Nevada, I was lucky at 26 years old to be the pitching coach at the University of California in Berkeley. Wow, 26. Yeah, I, I, man, when I think about that now, I just I can't even believe it. And um, I was there for 10 years. We we um, we we had some good teams. We we um, we went to a regional three times in the 10 years, and we got to uh, Omaha in 1992. That was the first time. I I I'd been and um, I really uh, it was a blur, you know the 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 whole thing in Omaha and and all that kind of stuff. First time I'm 27 years old and don't really know what I don't didn't know or anything like that. Yeah. And so I was there for 10 years, um, and then um, there was a coaching change. Uh, the uh, the guy I worked for um, at Cal Bamilano retired, and they hired a new coach, David Esker, who's now, interestingly enough, the head coach at Stanford. Um, wow. And, and David kept me for one year, um, and then I left. I coached, um, and, and I, I mean, my contract had run out, and, you know, he, he had to do what he had to do. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I, mean, it's, I, I have a great relationship with Dave. Um, so... I had I had hooked up. Well, somebody asked me to be the uh, manage one of the teams in the Cape Cod League, the Brewster Whitecaps. Okay. So I leave Cal. I have no job. I got this thing going in 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 the Cape, which I was it was it was exciting time. Coached in the Cape. We we actually won the league, which was pretty awesome. We we started off three and eleven, and we we ended up <laughs> finished thirty two and seventeen. And um, we won the we won the Cape Cod League championship. About about midway through the summer, though, um, John Savage, who's the coach at UCLA now, left SC as their pitching coach to become the head coach at UC Irvine. And then Mike Gillespie, who I played for for two summers in Alaska, hired me to uh, coach with him at um, at USC. We were there um, uh, seven, seven years, seven or eight years. Um, wow. I, uh, and in 2001, uh, we went to the College World Series. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. We had, we had a really good club. A bunch of, bunch of guys made to big. Mark Pryor was the number two pick yeah. that year. He'd had an unbelievable year. I mean, like I'd never seen before. Um, and, and um, had a lot of good players and a lot of great, great teams. And then uh, Coach Gillespie had a brief retirement. Again, I got caught kind of in a coaching thing. Um, they hired Chad Cruder, who had played in the big leagues. Interestingly enough, was uh, Coach Gillespie's son-in-law. 
kept me for a year, got fired after one year there. And it was at that time that, you know, I had this opportunity to be an athletic director and coach baseball in high school. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, it was, it was kind of perfect timing because about the time my, my time was done at SC, my daughter was going, starting college and I had, you know, being a college coach, I wasn't, I, I missed a lot yeah. of her life. Always on the road. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. And, and my, um, my two boys were young. Um, Michael was probably sixth, seventh grade. Matthew was in the fourth or the fifth grade and had this opportunity at, um, at uh, a, a private Catholic high school, Servite High School, to go there for four I was there for four years as their baseball coach. And what it allowed me to do is be a little bit more part of Mikey and Maddie's life, um, which was awesome. I got to coach. You know, I got to coach them too. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, as a high school coach, you got a little bit of extra time. So I was able to do that. And then after four years there, I took the athletic director's job and assistant baseball coach job at J. Sarah Catholic, which is in uh, Southern Orange County. I was there for two years, really 20 months. I've, another one of these deals where I, I got fired. Um, I didn't do anything necessarily wrong. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I just got, yeah, I got into, I just held my ground. Here's, here's why I got fired. I got fired because I held my ground because I wasn't going to take a lineup card away from one of my coaches because of, of some influential people that wanted somebody playing that maybe should not have been playing, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, it was lacrosse. It was a lacrosse situation, and I just wasn't going to take I, – I, I was going to have my coaches back, yeah. basically. Um, and so I got fired for it. Um, wow. Um, and, and I would do it over again. I really liked being an athletic director. I thought it was the coolest job because I still got to coach. I was the pitching coach there for Brett Kay, who's still the baseball coach there. And you got to go to all the stuff for all the sports. And I mean, you were not only organizing it and supervising it and doing all the things that you do with, with, with the teaching component and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I thought I loved that job, except for the one deep situation that I dealt with from day one till, till the last day. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was a cool job. I could have literally done that job forever. Um, but it just didn't work out that way. So I get fired, work gets out, and Rick Vanderhoek from Cal State Fullerton calls me and says, hey, uh, Dave, uh, I want you to come over here and be a part of our program. And um, he goes, can't pay you, can't do anything. I was getting paid. This was in late January, early February. I was getting paid till June anyways. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I need to do something. I can't sit around. And yeah. so I was uh, the director of player development at Cal State Fullerton. So, um, and basically my duties were, uh, I'd sit in on meetings. I'd watch practice. If they asked for my opinion on something, I'd give it to them. I'd sit behind the home plate and kind of team sheet, not only Fullerton's team, but the opponent. Maybe add some scouting info if they if they wanted it. I was just 
basically a fly on the wall. And what it did was it gave me the opportunity to kind of get back out there. My boys were older. Um, and you know, baseball, I mean, I've only done baseball and thrown newspapers my whole life. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't have a tremendous skill set outside of athletics. Um, and, um, and then that's when, um, out of the blue, you know, Cal State Fullerton season was pretty much over. I was at one of my son's high school summer games. And a guy named Joe DeRico, who you know, Joe yeah. from Nevada, calls me and he's vetting names for the Nevada job. He's calling me to ask my opinion on some of the candidates. And um, Joe played for us the first time I was at Nevada in what would have been 89 and 90. Really? So, so we had kind of kept in contact, not really, but sort of. And um, he calls me, and he's throwing names out there, and he, you know, Jay was one of them. Yeah. And I said, you know, I said, I mean, I've been out of this for six years. I've been in high school stuff. I said, you know, you, you should call some other people that have been in the deal, and they know. And I, and then and then I remember what I said. I said, but whatever you do, hire a guy who's a hitting offensive guy that needs a pitching coach. Cause I need a job. Yeah. And he had said, well, that's kind of why I called because, you know, we are involved with Jay and, and, and it's moving along pretty quickly. And, you know, he kind of maybe had mentioned your name as a possible candidate. And, um, and I said, well, sweet man, let's go, you know? Yeah. And so I called Jay that night cause I'd known Jay from coaching in college then the league we were in, in high school, uh, that I coached in, the Trinity League, is a highly regarded league. I mean, there's lots of players, so the okay. whole world's recruiting it. And then um, um, I had called him that night after Joe and I, and, I mean, uh, Joe and, and our conversation. And what was funny about it was, is he, at the time I called him, he was getting ready to call me. Really? So it's kind of this weird kind of fate thing. Yeah. So we met a few days later in Phoenix. And so, you know, the rest is history. I get up back up to Nevada um, and, and, and Reno and that sort of thing. And we had a couple good years. And then I ended up here. I did have the opportunity to be, the, I was offered the head job at Nevada. Um, I didn't turn it down because I didn't think it was a good situation or anything like that. I just thought at that time, that situation wasn't for me. Had a really good working relationship with Jay. And I kind of wanted to get back in the Pac-12. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, eventually I'm going to get back in the Pac-12. I mean, I kind of felt like wherever Jay goes, I'll go, you know, um, Cause I, I, I just, you know, I like working with them. Yeah. And so, you know, now we're here and you know, the first year we had that unbelievable, crazy, I mean, I can't even explain it, you know, I mean, we just had, we just got on a roll and we just couldn't lose. And, and then, uh, you know, it's been awesome since. So that's kind of like my 33 year, 34 yeah. year resume so 
Yeah. Incredible resume. The thing that sticks out to me still is you're tossing newspapers at 4 a.m. Riding your bike, I'm sure. Just no, 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 no. Yeah, it was in a car. Ah, yeah. I had this, Yeah, I had this uh, Toyota SR5 pickup. And, oh, you know, man. and I mean, you're just, you're steering with this, with your knees. And yeah. It's four in the morning, you're, you know, folding and tossing and. Yeah. 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 That, 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 that was how I made ends meet that, those first couple of years of coaching. That is incredible. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of a cool story. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk about like, I kind of want to talk about that and the grind of mm -hmm. maybe for, any players that are coming up and maybe one, they don't understand the grind of being a collegiate player as well as a professional player or yeah. coaches, coaches or aspiring coaches who want to get into the coaching world and keep going. But they know, especially nowadays with the NCAA regulations, yeah. there's so much going on and it's just all. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, from the player, ha ha having been a player in division one and that sort of thing, it, 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 it is a grind. Um, because you don't, you know, your your free time or your hobby or whatever it is 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 baseball. So yeah. you know, if you're gonna be good at it, you can't like it. You gotta really love it, and yeah. and then balancing all that, and then trying to create a social life for yourself and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's I wouldn't. I don't know why anybody would, if they had the chance to do it, wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, because it's pretty cool because you're going to, you know, we all have our high school friends that we probably stay in touch with. But the, but but the truth of the matter is, you know, the people you're that are like friends for life tend to be the ones you meet in college. Yes. And, um, and I still have lots of great friends from high school, but, um, the, you know, the, the, the ones you make in college are forever because you go through yeah. a little bit more stuff, you know, exactly and, go through the grind. Every yeah. Day. And then from the coaching perspective, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've always been a coach watcher, even when I was young and, and I've just always kind of emulated what I thought success was. I do it to this day. I mean, you know, I, I, if there's something on a coach on TV, I'm watching it, you know, or if yeah. there's a book about a coach that a coach wrote, I'm reading it. I, I just think that, especially the successful ones. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is a grind, you know. I, I mean, we know, you know, Ray McIntyre, right? I mean, the yeah. guy's grinding, right? And, 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 and you, you don't make a lot of money to start if you can be patient with that and, 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 pretend like you're getting paid a million dollars doing it. Um, you know, it's obviously going to serve you well. I, 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 I think, um, it's, it's harder than ever now to get in. Um, you know, quite frankly, there's a lot more at stake now than there was 30 years ago. I mean, you know, you could, you could, you could be a coach, you could be a head coach for several years and maybe not experience, the success that you hope for an extended amount of time and survive it. Now, you, you know, you, you gotta win. I mean, you gotta win and you, yeah. you, know, you gotta do things right and all that. I think it's a lot, it's a lot harder on the kids now because there's more, there's more, there's more stuff that can help them. 
be good. So now it's taking up more of their time. Yeah. The academics is treated a lot more seriously now than ever, and you know, for good reason. I mean, we didn't have academic counselors at UC Santa Barbara. We didn't have priority registration. You know, really, you, you, there was no tutors at your disposal. I mean, you just did it. You know, and you just figured out a way to survive and and make sure you got good enough grades to not only keep playing but graduate. Um, but you know, it's baseball is definitely a game that because of the day in day outness of it, you yeah. better freaking love it yeah. because it's gonna bring out. The best in you and it's going to bring out the worst in you and you have to survive you have to survive the bad stuff because it's 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 incredibly hard i you know these these kids that sign out of high school man i i, I don't know how they do it i don't I know how ready. they do it i mean <laughs> I, was not I mean you know but but you know they all think they're ready and and mm -hmm. and you know i think they cloud what they think they're ready as their dream you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's their dream. Every, every guy, you know, everybody says, you know, you got this recruiting class coming in. How are you going to do, you know, are they, you know, who's, well, they're all signable, you know, because yeah. they all want to play. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to yeah. not go to school and just play baseball? It's just, it's just, you know, you got to really think the thing through yeah. because, you know, your odds of making it and, and doing well while you're there or dramatically increase if you if you go to school. Absolutely. And that just goes back to getting an education, really having something to fall back on when you're done because at yeah. one point in your life it's gonna end. Yeah. Whether it's an injury it like, or if somebody tells you you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, and that goes into this, man. Like how does it feel when somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, like you're fired? Like or you yeah. need to move on. Like it's time to move on, whether it's that or your career yeah. type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, you know. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I wasn't renewed at Cal. I got fired at, you know, SC. <laughs> I got yeah. I got fired at J. Sarah. Um, when I hear this, real quick, when I hear this, I'm baffled because I see how you work and I see the confidence you instill in the pictures. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. Well, you got to understand. Yeah, but I mean, it's just part of the business. And, and you know, when new regimes come in, they have their own ideas. I mean, it is part of it, you know. And, and, and then sometimes, you know, it's – I don't think it's like – I think the vast majority of people that get let go, it's not that they've done a poor job. I think it's it's just – you know, new regimes, new this, new that, or some sort of outside influence that, 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 that causes it. Um, it's not the greatest feeling in the world yeah. when you've been not renewed or fired or let go, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, but I mean, I gotta be honest, I don't mean to sound corny or cliche or anything like that. But I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, I, I've spent 33 years messing around, you know, I mean, this yeah. isn't, it's a job and it's serious and, and, and we got to put food on our tables just like everybody and how well our teams do and how well we coach them, you know, the, but it's, I mean, you, I wouldn't call this a real, real job, you know, yeah. it's fun. I mean, it's fun. I, I'm outdoors every day. I'm. 
I'm swinging a fungal bat or throwing BP or working with a pitcher or watching film or doing some char. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm doing stuff that's fun to me. I don't, I don't ever really feel like, man, this is a, uh, this is, this is rough, man. Yeah. You know, um, um, obviously when, when you when your team's not playing well, you know, that's, that's not the greatest feeling, but you know, after doing this for as long as I've done it, you know, you, you, you kind of, I don't know, for me, I get more out of the player success than like the personal accolades. I'm not a big self-promoting kind of guy. You know, I, 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 I take a lot of joy in seeing guys that are, that you're coaching do good stuff. You know, I mean, the best part of Omaha to me when we've gone is how pumped and how fun the kids are having. Because I'm, you know, I'm still work. you know, I'm getting ready for the next game and, yeah. and they're, you know, so, so it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's like, it, it, I just like seeing them when they, when they got a good smile on their face and they're walking out of the ballpark pumped. It's, yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, the best part of Omaha, you know, we, we I mean, me and Sergio and uh, Jimmy Van Osteren, who was with us in, in 16, to me, the coolest thing was the police escort to the ballpark, man. It's official, huh? Oh, yeah. I you mean, feel like the president of Yeah, the I mean, you're just, like, yeah, you're, you're, it's a 10-minute drive. You're getting there in three minutes. You know? <laughs> it's pretty cool, you know. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I just get, I mean, at this point in my life, I get a lot of joy out of just the, their joy. Yeah. So, I kid. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do. And then, you know, I get to work with, good guys here, Jay and Serge and, and Chief and, you know, the whole staff. It's yeah. fun. And then you get to work at a school that's really all in on supporting, you know, what you're trying to do and and that sort of thing. I mean, with what they do, the ballpark or, you know, all the things that are that are available to us here. Oh, this place is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a, we're really lucky. Even since I took a recruiting trip here in 2011. Yeah. Maybe 2010. And since then, it yeah. has changed incredibly. Obviously, a new location. Yeah, yeah. But it's just unreal. Yeah, it's changed exponentially and how they're, you know, all, all the good stuff for the athletes and, and, and helping them succeed, so. Yeah. Now you've been to Omaha three times. Right. You've coached over 22 big leaguers. Mm -hmm. Mark Pryor, Ian Kennedy, a bunch of other ones that mm -hmm. are good MLB pitchers. Mm -hmm. um, how do you eliminate the noise, the outside noise of one playing in the Pac-12 yeah. and other good conferences throughout your career? Yeah. And then all that excess noise and the distractions, especially nowadays, yeah. for your players. How do you guys eliminate that? And how do you help your pitchers focus from pitch to pitch, yeah. day to day, and believe in themselves? Well, you know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot. They have a lot. I mean, they have people that they've worked with before they got to you. Yeah. They, you know, you have advisors, and 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 then and then you have all these publications showing them. You know, like I'm the second rank guy or the tenth rank yeah. guy or the this or the that. You know, I, I I think I think because they all want to be big leaguers, where there's a lot of noise. You know, you can kind of take the things that they're faced with here, and if you're if you're equating them to some place where they want to be, then 
then I think it kind of makes sense to them. You know, you you really have to eliminate all that stuff. Definitely. I mean, we we were you know you talk about how do you get them pitch to pitch and all that kind of stuff. We um, I showed last fall we showed the pitching staff the first inning game five World Series Red Sox and Dodgers and prices on the mound and we were really you know at this time in the fall we were kind of really talking about you know pre-pitch routine and breath and staying where your feet are and don't get ahead of yourself and and yeah. you know and, and all that kind of stuff and so we showed them the first inning on on the on the screen in here and and I said to him um, you know that inning went lead off homer walk double play then in like a 10 plus pitch at bat to Machado where he ends up punching him out I said now guys after the the homer and the walk we've all you we've all pitched those games and it got nasty yeah right that's always a three or four run inning I said but watch price just watch him I mean he's not blinking He's not getting out of his routine. He's going pitch by pitch by pitch. He's not trying to get three outs all at once. He's trying to get three outs one pitch at a time. You yeah. can see it. He's, bur I mean, it's just total control. And um, so, I mean, you know, we show him stuff like that. We, we practice it, you know, practice. We have... To me, you know, two or three times a week, we have a period of five or ten minutes in practice where, you know, we spread the pitchers out all over the field and they just, you know, pitch two hitters out of the windup, pitch two hitters out of the stretch, get super creative, throw a pitch, follow the foul ball, fake cover first, fake field a bunt, do this, do that, but get in your routine in between each pitch. Yeah. Because, you know, it's an under it's an under-practiced part of the game. I mean we're never going to not hit enough. We're never going to not play catch yeah. enough. We're never going to not bullpen enough or, or do all these things. But, but the thing they need most is the mental side. And um, the best one, the ability, the, the kids that have the, that do the best job of being locked in and focused and concentrating in their catch and, and then are doing a good job practicing the mental game. It just translates to bullpens, and then it translates to games. I mean, it just goes without fail. Now, you know, younger guys who didn't have to think about it, but truth be told, they were probably doing it without knowing it. Yeah. You know, but, but the, stakes, the stakes get bigger. You know, they don't – they never pitch in front of 7,500 people 30 times a year like they do here yeah. or, or, or they've never pitched to hitters. You know, I mean, everybody talks about, Oh yeah, Johnny played up in high school. He played up in no, I mean, you're an 18 year old kid in college. You're, you're facing 23 year olds in the other dugout hitting off you too, yeah. or 22. That's playing up. And they're ready to rip you up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they've seen a lot of stuff and they're not swinging at everything like they did in high school. So, you know, that's a, that's a big adjustment. Yeah. And, and they're all talented, but it's trying to take that, 
talent and make a usable skill, but if they don't have a strong mental game, it's really hard for them to get there. So, um, yeah, I mean. Creating that talent into usable skill. I'm going to use that. Yeah, yeah, that's a – that's a that's a Coach Johnson saying. So, ah, yeah. now I got a few more in my word bank. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the mental side of the game, let's talk about that for a minute because mm-hmm. something at Major League University that we're doing is focusing on the mental side of the game. When I was in college, I realized how important it was after my freshman year when I was coming back, throwing my bat still and pissed yeah. off after a bad game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized, hey, I need to change something here. I need to shift my gears, and it takes time. Yeah. It's not an easy thing. No. How do you get these guys to stick with the process of the mental side of the game when we all see the drive lines and the the guys on YouTube videos of how to hit tanks and the yeah, launch yeah, yeah. angles and right. all this stuff and mm-hmm. velo and how do we keep them and say, hey guys, like let's focus in on the mental side. Mm-hmm. Let's take it day by day, pitch by pitch, like we talked about, and lock it in, starting with your catch play, starting with your preparation mm-hmm. in in the weight room. Um, yeah. all around. So how do you help these guys kind of guide them through the mental training process? Well, um, you, you have to practice it. I mean, you have to practice it and then to an, to an extent, to the best of your ability, hold them accountable to it. And, and it's hard because at the same time they're competing. Yeah. So, so, so it can kind of get away from them because they're competing in their result and 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 statistic conscious. Yeah. And so I think what we do here is we try to identify toughness by and by sticking with your plan good or bad. Be willing to win and lose with your plan. Ooh. And and so of course you have to perform, okay? Yeah. But sometimes you don't perform, but you are you did a good job with your mental game. It just didn't happen. Well, you got to point that out. It can't always be just about getting three hits. Um, yeah. You can help your team win without hitting. You know, I saw on Twitter a uh, a Ken Revisa quote, and this is really, really applicable to baseball. What's harder, getting three hits every night or doing something to help your team win? Wow. So, I mean, that's – so you can bet – I saw that on Twitter. I cut, I copied, I pasted, I sent it to every guy on our team. Yeah. And then we brought it up the next day. I mean, it's hard to get three hits, but it's not hard to do something to help your team win. So what does that mean? Well, be prepared. Um, Be supportive. Um, Play hard. Mentor. Yeah. Mentor. I mean, that's so low cost, high reward. It's, 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 I mean, it, if you make it about somebody other than yourself, then it's going to make it easy for you to perform. Okay. Now, that's hard to do for an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old. Because, I mean, you want to get yours. I mean, you want to pitch and you want to 
you want to give up only two hits and maybe a run and you don't want to walk anybody you want to strike out 14 people yeah. well i mean you you can't do that all at once but you can try to do it one pitch at a time with your routine and 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 if you can do that well and consistently do it chances are you're going to be on the right side of things yeah so um but it's really really hard it's really Extremely. yeah it's not easy you know and um but the best guys do it and you know so we point out like jason dietrich on your teams when when we coached you at nevada yeah good not great stuff world-class mound presence unbelievable so he could it could be an error a walk that he got squeezed by the umpire and then a three-run homer you know and and you know the wind's blowing out or something didn't change that's why he was good i mean yeah he didn't measure out or grade out like he would say professionally but but he he played up at that level in the Mountain West Conference where you gotta you're gonna get kicked in the stomach on the mound because the ballparks are offensive and he overcame it and was a really good pitcher for us because he he never blinked. Yeah. He never blinked. And um that's hard to do. Cause because young guys think, oh, you know, if I try harder and I get mad and I slam my helmet or I throw my glove or I drop an F-bomb, that's going to show everybody I really care. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's what we're questioning. I know, we all know they all care. Yeah, if you're at this level, you care. You care, but, but you know, you, you have to understand that if, if, if you're beating yourself up for every failure and then not rewarding yourself for your successes, mm. you're literally playing for a tie. I mean, the wow. I mean, the brain actually will if you wreck it, I mean, watch Max Scherzer when he throws bullpens. It, for, for who's ever listening to this, go on YouTube, watch him throw a bullpen. If he throws the ball right where he wants it, he does this little thing in bullpens. And if he doesn't that. throw the ball where he wants to, no reaction. Yeah. But but young guys think they got to react when they mess up, and then they got to be cool when they do something good. I'm yeah. saying just the opposite. Pump yourself up when you do something well, and don't react when you do something poorly. Yeah. Because every time you every time you do something good for yourself, be be it verbally or with some sort of body language thing, your body your your brain will remember it. Now, yeah. therefore, you can repeat it. Exactly. So self affirmation. Self affirmation. There's like a medical or a scientific term for it. It's called myelination. Wow. It's it's a real thing. It's a real, real thing. Yeah. And um, and then again, when you're when you're real busy beating yourself up over something you did poorly, you're just 
cutting into the time that you need to get yourself ready for the next thing and whatever that is, next pitch, next play, next inning, next game, next week, next month, next year. Yeah. It's just, you just, it's, but that's hard to do because it's, tough. It's, it's, it's really hard. And for young guys, because when the young guys get here, first thing they want to do is impress all the older guys. Yeah. And then, and, and, and because they're all being judged, everybody's checking everybody out for the first month. Yeah. And so all you do is you spend all this time impressing and, and you, you don't believe me when I tell you, Hey, Here's the goal. You're going to throw two innings today. Every single pitch you throw, I want to see being your good routine. I don't care if they paddle you all over the ballpark and 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 you have the worst day of your life statistically. Yeah. If you throw every pitch with a good routine and all that, it's a win. Man, they're like saying, "Man, you're crazy." Yeah. I need to throw 95 and I, I need, need to, to throw 95 and, and I need I to strike to everybody out. out and I need to um you know, not give up a hit and dominate. Yeah. The problem is you got to have that mental thing to dominate. Yes. You got to be mentally stable and confident in your abilities. And that's what I think you do really well as a pitching coach. And I don't like to label you as a pitching coach because I think you're an overall amazing coach, like in a mentor. And like you said, mentoring your teammates, mentoring each other. I think you were a great mentor for us because it was a source that we could utilize to become the best versions of ourselves. Whether I had a question about what that pitcher might be doing to me in the box or what he may be thinking, or even if you're like, bye, hey, we got this guy. He's on the ropes. Like You can see it in his body language. You can yeah. see it in his mound presence. And yeah. That's something, going back to Jason, was like, man, I love playing defense for the guy because you get up on the mound, he'd attack the zone, he'd give up a bomb, he'd be right back on there ready to go. First pitch strike. Yeah. Same thing, filling it up, curveball, get me over, whatever it is, right. just filling it up and sticking with that mental preparation, like you said, your routine in between pitches, being mentally confident. I think a lot of guys, it goes overshadowed and they, they think so much in the results of their life. Yeah, they do. You know, and instead of sticking with those processes. Well, and that's, that's why every major league team isn't just given paying lip service. I mean, it's just not a box they're checking off that, yeah, we covered the mental game. Yeah, they they now they got guys that are with them all the time. Yeah, and at all levels. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's 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 money well spent. We we don't we don't just check the box that we covered the mental game. We 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 live the mental game because it's really it's really gonna make the difference. Yeah, it separates the good from the great. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So, coach, last question. Mm -hmm. Who has been your biggest influencer in your life? Um, I'd say baseball-wise and your career-wise. Who has influenced you the most to chase your passions and to kind of push you or that you look up to in the well, baseball? Well, um, I mean, again, like like I said, I think I think pretty much every coach I've ever come in contact with as a player has kind of inspired me to to do. To, to really like doing this. I mean, for yeah. whatever reason, coaches just impressed me. And, and, and so I don't know that you could necessarily say it's one person, but I just think the, perf I was always, I always admired those that coached. Yeah. And I mean, I thought that's what I want to be. 
you know, I mean, and, and like I said, I, I, I know for a fact, I was 12, 13 years old. I knew I was going to coach if I didn't make it to the big leagues. Yeah. And I think, and, and then I got so lucky that I really never had this donkey running any of the teams that I played for. And then never really had a donkey running the teams for the ones that I was an assistant for. Yeah. And so, I mean, all that led to this. So, yeah. not to mention my my wife of 32 years putting up with all this stuff. So, yeah, not easy to go state no. to state to city. To yeah, city I mean, I've, I've lived lots of places. I mean, I'm a I'm a baseball gypsy for sure. Yeah. So. I mean, Coach, I just admire your work ethic and how you get guys to buy into your process and what you guys believe here, but not only here, just in life. I think what you're doing is setting these guys up for a better future. Yeah. And I hope when so. they get out of here, they can take what they've learned in a game of failure and a game that develops you for the next step in your life and utilize it for their career path, whatever that choice may be. Um, for anybody that's out there listening, coach, player, parent, businessman, healthcare provider, I don't care what you are, you can take a lot out of this because one, work ethic, two, commitment to excellence, three, the mental side of the game is so important, like you said, developing a routine in your life, having a clear vision and being able to go after that focus with full intent and being where your feet are and being locked in, I think it's amazing. So Coach Lon, I really appreciate you on Thanks, the show Bob. today, man. Thank you so much, guys. Once again, this is the Byler Bomb Show and stay tuned for some more. Fire bombs. <laughs> <laughs>